this is a we've been talking about it a little bit a gambling uh, individual. He was a, he was huge in the gambling industry. Maybe actually just a sports gambler. And Mark Cuban loved his artificial intelligence, his AI stuff, his approaches, his analytics. He's brought in. And then Tim, as you tell the story today, unbeknownst to a lot of us. This guy started to rise and get more and more say in the in the maps. How? When did you first? When did this guy first get on your radar? And you started th- hearing that? Whoa, whoa! This guy, this guy really has Cuban's ear. Yeah, I mean, you know, he was announced as the the hire in in 2018. Uh, it's when he started showing up publicly around the team, and I've always been curious you know, what exactly his role was with the team since then. Uh, I would say that, you know, I'm not even the only one. Like, even Mavs fans would tweet me and, you know, ask me in various times that I would do, you know, take questions and things like that. You know, what is up with this guy? Because there, I think there was a feeling that, you know, there probably is, you know, something more going on here. This guy is, you know, he, he was well known from, you know, his, his public promotion of himself, you know, starting with, uh, you know, starting in 2010, 2011, when he started going on podcasts and, you know, he was on Bill Simmons a lot and all this stuff. So people have always been curious. And, you know, it was probably, you know, and I, I had heard for a while that, you know, the, the, certainly, you know, there's a quote in there that, you know, Mark Cuban is the most powerful person in the organization, but whoever has his ear is, is going to be second. And, you know, I, I definitely heard a yeah. lot of people say stuff like, yeah, this is the guy who Mark Cuban listens to, you know, most frequently and most often. And I think it bears out over the course of the past few seasons, you know, not even, you know, ignoring, you know, step aside from the reporting. When you look at this team, it's built in a very analytically minded way. Um, that, and it's been structured, you know, around, uh, you know, around a, a, a Luka team with, with uh, you know, with spread pick and roll offenses and, and, two, and, you know, trying to find two-way players to put around him. It's all stuff that, you know, I think the analytics would show. And in some ways, I'm even, you know, sympathetic to that. I think it's probably the right way to build around the team. But as I mm-hmm. heard more and more over the course of reporting this, you know, there was other problems at play. And it, it involved the, you know, who actually held power, what was the power structure, what did it actually look like, um, and were the players okay with this role and this influence and this person who did have a large uh, impact on the team. And as the reporting says, you know, an oversized impact uh, to the point that he was frustrating players themselves. Yeah, and, and Luca's the biggest part of this. Um, you, you don't want to disappoint him. He's going to about do the super max. I mean, he's at least uh, insinuated, but he is the future of this team. You build around him, and boy, that anecdote you had with uh, with him, with this guy Volgaris sitting over there with his laptop open and and court across from the bench, and then giving Luca a sign that at least Luca interpreted as, "Hey, calm down." Um, Boy, this thing is, I mean, and again, we used to talk about Cuban. Does he get onto referees too much? That was a big story at one point. Suddenly, this guy that's kind of in the shadows, at least to most people, um, obviously got under Luca's skin. Now, for a period of time there, he stopped. It's kind of like, okay, this guy needs to stop coming to games. But the, but but reading your story, Tim, it seemed like he, he kept his influence. That's the part that blows me away is that he seemed to have some influence, not only the rotations, the starting lineup. And, and um, it, it, it's, just, it's just wild to, to hear all that. But, uh, and it sounds like from your reporting that there's immense frustration among the front office with how, with how high this guy has risen. 
Right, right, right. I, I think I think that's all a fair way to to put it. Um, you know, when you get Luca mad at you, um, you know, and, and you know, I, I describe and you know, if if you if you believe what uh, Volvera said, then you know it was a miscommunication. But the reality is that Luca didn't like this person. Well, you know, it, it was it was not because of that incident. It, it didn't start with that incident, and it wasn't. You know, it was something that was later bared out with uh, with another incident. You know, and that, that's the last game that that, you know, Bob attended physically with the team. Um, you can even see the fact that he was, you know, not sitting next to Cuban, not, you know, not around the, the, the bench, not in his usual courtside seat around half court. Um, you know, he wasn't physically with the team after, after the second incident where he leaves the court early. And Luca believes that, you know, that's him quitting on a, on a team that was losing. But, you know, the game certainly hadn't been lost at that point. Um, so, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, like it, it's a relationship business. And when Luka Doncic is the star, that he is the, the superstar, you know, he is the most important player and, you know, person in the franchise. That's how the NBA works. It's not a Lucas specific thing, That is how the NBA works uh, at this level. And you have to build relationships that, you know, are, are beneficial or, you know, there is danger of, of something like this happening. And so, you know, as I, as I think about the reporting and, and, you know, what, what the piece says and everything I've heard, you know, I like, that's, that's what I keep coming back to is that, you know, it's no surprise that, you know, what, whatever, you know, whatever turned Luca off about, uh, you know, Bob, uh, the, the, this guy in the story, um, you know, you know, whatever, whatever influences or factors went into that, you know, it, it's always going to be a problem. That's going to be a problem. And, and clearly, clearly as, as the reporting in the story shows, it, it, it has been a problem. All right. And, um, this Tim Cato and Sam Amick, uh, wrote this story for The Athletic, and just some uh, incredible detail in this, and uh, this kind of has it all. Now, Mark has, and I know this doesn't shock you, because Mark sometimes will, whether or not something's, you know, he, he reacts to the media, and he's very sometimes unvarnished, um, and he, he came out and tweeted, you know, basically, this is BS, and he actually said the BS, um, are, are, I mean, like, Tim, as a writer, is that almost kind of like what you expected from Mark, just to immediately try to just shoot this down? Um, because, I mean, I all these people you talk to, you put together an amazing narrative here, but Mark's try. it sounds like Mark's strategy is going to be this is just all wrong and just shoot the whole thing down. How do you, as the guy who put a lot of these details together, how do you respond to even his response? Right, right. I mean, I haven't responded at all. Um, I, you know, I stand by the story and, and what's what's on there. I had no clue specifically how I, I thought that the people involved would react. Um, and honestly, I, I try not to think about it to an excessive degree. Um, you know, I didn't write the story wanting an outcome. I'm not a player in, in, in the story, of course. Um, I'm just the person, you know, who a lot of people trusted with information and thoughts and feelings about how things were going on and, you know, trusted to disseminate the information in a way that was, was as correct as possible. Um, so, you know, that's how I, how I try to use things. You know, it, you know the funny thing, and, you know, I, you know as, as much as I'm not trying to, you know, predict or, or lead this to being, you know, I'm not dumb. I also knew how this would come, uh, you know, to be. Portrayed, I knew that the heat would fall on Bob. He is the primary factor in the story. I don't personally have dislike Bob. I think that, you know, I think that me and him probably have a fairly similar way of viewing the sport, um, viewing how basketball and analytics, you know, are, are, you know, how they're good at shaping what 
the, the direction of the modern modern NBA is going. Um, but yeah, when 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 you you know when when a person like this you know it alienates a, a star player and you know frustrates others with the locker room when when they view him as the person behind the coach and some of the decisions the coach makes that players are frustrated that the coach is making. Um, you know, all this stuff, it, you know, leads to, to strife and turmoil and, you know, it just a, a haphazard way of, of running the franchise. And, you know, it, it does, it does come back to the front office to some level um, is, is the one being most indicted, you know, even from the, even from the first round playoff loss, the Mavericks just went through. You know, if, if your star player can do 46 points and, and 14 assists in the game seven and you're not even close in the final minute, that is an indictment on the front office and it's an indictment on, you know, those who are in positions of power. So, you know, we don't really talk about Donnie in the story. You know, Donnie Nelson, the, the longtime GM, I wouldn't say that this story is complimentary about him either, um, you know, even if, even if it's not necessarily the person I have, have details on. I, I, think it's a, it's, I think it's an indictment um, on everyone in the front office, the way it operated. And, and ultimately, it's, you know, I, I think that the, if there was one, you know, reason why a lot of, you know, the, the fears internally and, and that people have around the league is that, you know, this Luka era, this Luka moment, um, a special moment for any franchise to, to be in the midst of, you know, nobody wants to look back in five years and say, oh, we messed this up. We, we screwed this up and, you know, we can't change it now. And so I think, I think yeah. to me, that's, that's the driving takeaway of the story. I. You know, in, as much as you may like Bob, and, he, he, and again, he's probably a, a, a brilliant guy, but he's not any level, he, you know, Luca. if Luca can't stand this guy, and this has become some sort of thing, as it appears it has, they just got to get rid of him. And, and as you said the story, his deal is up, and so that might be happening. Now, I want to, uh, Tim, I know you need to get going, so I, I, um, I want to I let you do that. I, I just, this is fascinating to me, and you and I both know, Carlisle pretty well and I'm just wondering last thing I have real quick does Carlisle is how in the world would would Rick knowing how prickly he can be can you imagine somebody all of a sudden having input like this in Rick's lineups do you think Rick just is so good at taking orders from Cuban he just went with it because he doesn't strike me I don't know you said in the article somebody uh called him an adaptable mf'er um, I, I, that to me is a crazy part of the story that Rick, Rick would be open to letting someone kind of dictate the lineup. Right. Yeah. Uh, just very briefly going back, I, I would say, I, I don't dislike Bob. I, I don't really have a relationship with him. I, you know, it's, you know, it's just, there, there's no, there's no part of, you know, my relationship towards him that I, you know, I feel one way or the other. Um, it, it's just a matter of like, yeah. you know, it's, it's a guy, I think I, 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 I probably share opinions with, but, but yes, I agree with your overall assessment as for Rick, you know, I think it goes back to Luca and you know, if, if there, there is, there is an absolutely a perception and I, we reported on it it's in the story that Luca, um, you know, has tuned Rick out to a degree and Rick gets it, you know, like, like you said, like you quoted, you know, he's adaptable. And if this is the way that he felt he had to adapt to the powers that be at the, at the, you know, just the way that this franchise was operating, I don't doubt that, you know, he was someone who was, you know, understood and then implemented, you know, those changes he felt he had to make. So he, he felt he had to make. So I, I think I think you're right to highlight that it's, you know, it's not quite the Carlisle that, you know, we've known uh, over the past decade. Um, but, you know, it is, it is a person who, 
you know, has always been good at adapting. And, and I think that's kind of the, the takeaway I have for, for that part of the, the story as we focus on Rick himself. All right, Tim. Hey, great job on the story. And uh, I really appreciate you coming on with us. For sure. Thanks for having me.